0: Welcome to Shrink the Rabbi, Wise Guys Discuss Torah Wisdom. Join Rabbi Chaim Miguel and psychologist Ben Bernstein as they discuss Torah and offer timely insights into significant events of the Jewish calendar, the meaning and its relevance to our daily lives. Welcome to our podcast. This is our third episode of Shrink the Rabbi. And what is our podcast about? Well, Rabbi Chaim and I have been getting together as friends for quite a long time. And when we get together as friends, one of the things we like to talk about is Torah, particularly what reading or what parsha is coming up each week. So in this podcast universe, we decided let's do a podcast, and we're going to call it Shrink the Rabbi. So before we get into our conversation, we're each going to introduce ourselves. I am a psychologist with 40 years of clinical experience. I'm a long-term student of the Vedas, the Indian scriptures, and a more recent student of the Torah, even though I was bar mitzvahed and, you know, was in Hebrew school for years. As a psychologist, my area of specialization is stress and how it affects human performance. I've written four books on the subject, and my motto is, be your best. Turn it over to you, Rabbi. Uh,
1: So my name is Rabbi Chaim Magell. I've been a rabbi for over 35 years. I'm uh, currently, uh, I am an entrepreneur as well, and I am the owner, co-owner of Afikomen Judaica, which is a a Jewish lifestyle emporium in Berkeley, California. And uh, my particular interests are in uh, spirituality, and I get excited trying to help people uh, connect uh, to their spiritual, um, for their spiritual self, and particularly to help Jews connect to uh, Torah and Jewish community.
0: I love that it's an emporium. I always thought it was a store, so this is fabulous. An More than a store. More, <laughs> okay. Well, one of the things that uh, Chaim and I like to do is to talk about the holidays, and um, because it's very informative, for, for certainly for me, and Chaim likes to tell me all about them. So this podcast, we're going to talk about the holiday of Shavuot, which is coming up next week. And You know Chaim it's okay if i call you Chaim rather than Rabbi Chaim okay thank you so you know i've heard about Shavuot since i was a child but when we were preparing for this i'm going to be totally transparent as the shrink that i didn't really know what it's about so my first question to you is what is Shavuot
1: Shavuot Uh, Shavuot is one of the three pilgrimage festivals that are mentioned in the Torah the first is Passover The second is Shavuot, the third is Sukkot. Passover marks the experience of the Exodus from Egypt. Um, The pilgrimage aspect of it is that we're commanded to go to Jerusalem um, and to offer a Passover sacrifice and to eat that collectively with our family and friends in Jerusalem uh, to remember the experience of going out of Egypt. Uh, Seven weeks later is the holiday of Shavuot, which uh, commemorates the experience of giving the Torah at Sinai. And then uh, later in the summer, we have the holiday of Sukkot, um, which is also talks uh, in uh, commemoration of the experience of being out in the desert on our way to the Promised
0: so pil- the pilgrimage aspect is, um, you know, what comes up for me is m- movement and also being together. Am I on the right track with? That?
1: Yes, I, I very much so. the The word for uh, pilgrimage uh, in in Hebrew is regel, which is the same um, word as for leg or foot. You know, because it's to get up and get going. You, g- you know, get out of the place where you are and go to a sacred site in order to have a communal collective experience to uh, to celebrate.
0: So, so let's go a little further because um, how, you said about 49 days after Pesach, so what was going on right then?
1: Well, there was the journeying out, so once they left Egypt, once the the people of Israel left collectively out of Egypt, crossed through the Red Sea. They were on their way to Mount Sinai, and um, to receive the Torah, to have the revelation of God, the giving of the law, um, the Ten Commandments. All of these things are connected to the experience of Mount Sinai. So, getting to Mount Sinai was uh, was an effort, and then. Um, the experience of the revelation of of the giving of the law was a significant occurrence for the lives of every individual present
0: so so okay so here they are at the 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 people are at the base of mount sinai and then and then what happens
1: well um god gives moses some instructions on how to get the people to prepare themselves for this big revelation they they should wash their clothes, they should immerse, they should refrain from certain kinds of personal uh, contact with each other in order to be ready to receive the revelation. Then Moses goes up onto the mountain, everybody else is warned, don't touch the mountain or you're going to die, and Moses goes up to commune with God, who's then gonna give So wait a second,
0: I gotta stop you there, uh, Chaim, because you said the word revelation like three times, but what does that actually mean?
1: Um, probably the easiest way to think about it in terms of like pulling back the veil, you know, so that if, if we experience reality through our senses, The revelation at Sinai was already like an experience, a collective, almost like a psychedelic trip experience for the collective body of the people of Israel at this time. So they saw things that were normally heard. They heard things that were normally only seen. The mountain was full of fire and smoke. The sound of the shofar was blasting through the air and God's voice was booming through giving over the narrative of the Ten Commandments.
0: That sounds a little scary to me.
1: Well, it was scary. And the people, as our sages expressed, their, people experienced their souls actually leaving their bodies and having to be resuscitated or resurrected from the massive uh, input of... Uh, um, uh, the, well, I just say revelation, the, the, the presence of God, the voice of God coming through to all the people was overwhelming. And they said, look, Moses, this is too much for us. You talk to God and then you tell us what God wants or what God is saying. It's too so much what? for
0: us. So, okay, so too much for us. So then Moses went up himself?
1: Right, so Moses is up on the mountain and then receives the communication from God directly engraves you know has the ten commandments the stone tablets which are said to be written by the finger of god and he's going to deliver this message with the tablets down to the people and this is this is what the, the holiday of shavuot is is uh, commemorating
0: okay so so he comes down with the tablets but then something else is going on down there
1: well right the people understood that Moses was going to be gone for a certain amount of time, 40 days, 40 nights. They lost, uh, apparently lost track of exactly when Moses was supposed to be back. They went to Aaron, Moses's brother, and they said, Moses has abandoned us. We're here in the desert by ourselves. We need a God. You have to help us make make a God for us. And uh, what then happened is that The men took off of their gold jewelry and gave it to Aaron who threw it into a fire. Aaron's rationale was if I just go along with this, Moses will show up and everything will be fine. But what happened was he threw the gold into the fire and a calf emerged, the golden calf. And the golden calf was already a known deity in Egypt and the people who had just left 400 years of living in Egypt recognized this is the deity that we're familiar with, that will be our God. And they started to have this orgiastic celebrations around this uh, molten image, right at the time when Moses starts to uh, finish his conversation with God and God uh-huh. says, look at what the people are doing. The, you know. Go down there and, 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 and sort them out. I'm gonna destroy them. I'm gonna destroy this people. They're gone off, they've they've turned away from, from me. They've forgot all the greatness that I've already shown them. Go and go and deal with these, these people.
0: So I remember Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments like throwing the tablets
1: down. Yeah, can you imagine? It was you just received these beautiful sapphire Tablets carved by the finger of God, and you get so upset, you know. And, and so Moses smashes them to the ground. And you know, and on one hand, it's a it's a very complicated relationship between God, Moses, and the people. In ancient times, God made a covenant with the ancestors that they were that these descendants of 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 the ancestors were going to inherit uh, the the land of of Israel and become a holy and and special nation. And here they are worshiping, doing idol worship, you know, literally days after being rescued from slavery in Egypt.
0: So God gets very angry and he says, I'm going to destroy
1: the people. Then what happens? Well, Moses then says, God, come on, relax, you have to, you have to. You can't destroy all the people. What are, what, what's everybody else in the world going to say? You, you, you've saved all the people just to take them out and kill them in the desert. That doesn't look very good. And uh, there has to be a way of fixing this relationship. God says, okay, I, I hear you, I'm going give you a, um, I'm going to give you like a, a remedy, a spiritual remedy that will help the people in this situation. So he gives him like a special incantation of of thirteen attributes of God's compassion and mercy, and that reconciles God's anger, and and uh, Moses is able then to go down to the people and sort of patch up the the relationship. Um, it's not a smooth process. A lot of people get swept up in. Um, a, plague that breaks out and many people uh, die as a punishment to that uh, effect Um, but in general what god gives to moses is a way of uh reconciling and and repairing uh, a break in the relationship
0: so in in this in giving him uh this reconciling and repairing is is this the torah that that is given is that what we're talking about
1: well the torah is more than that, just this episode, but the Torah does contain this episode, you know, and the spiritual uh, rectification formula, um, and, many, and many, many other things, a whole collection of, of laws and things.
0: So wait, so let's stay there because, you know, again, my background is Torah. You take it out of the ark, you walk around, people touch it with their talit, they kiss it, and then they open it in the scroll. And that's kind of the idea that I had for years and years and years. But what you're saying is, is that it is the expression of God. So if you could just take us a little bit into what is Torah. I know it's a you know, big subject, but what, what is Torah? Because this is what the holiday commemorates.
1: Right. So the holiday commemorates the giving of the Torah. So the Torah is a complex, uh, it's much, much more than just a document. It's much much more than just a book torah the word torah um, means uh teaching so torah has the word Horah it mean, which means teaching so that that's part of what the text of torah is about instruction and teaching us how to live in this world and how to be the holy and special people in this world um and for all people there's there's a dynamic of, of instruction in the Torah that's relevant for all nations, for all people. The other part of Torah is, is or, it's like the, the word light. And the light is something that brings illumination to a place where there's a lack of light or darkness. And so the, the pre-Torah world was living in a state of darkness. And the Torah comes to illuminate that world and prepare the world to be a place that can contain the light of God. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: So and so again I'm getting the uh meaning here, which we had over Pesach too, that there is the the uh the meaning symbolism, the deeper sense of what the holiday is about, and it's also a, a time of collective experience.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's it's for and they say that the effect of being present at Sinai at Mount Sinai for the receiving of the Torah made a permanent spiritual imprinting on the souls, those those core uh, souls that were part of that experience in the original time and that we receive through our inheritance as being Jewish people in this day and age as well.
0: And this is really what the holiday is about, is that re-experiencing at that, that moment? Right.
1: Well, that's part of the dynamic of our calendar is that we're not just commemorating a remembrance of a past event we're actually cycling back through the time the energetic time wave of the original event and we're drawing we have access to the the the, the energetic frequency from that historic experience that we can tap into and draw into our own lives.
0: Every year, every, every year. year. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so now we get to the next part. How is this holiday celebrated? Because we
1: love celebrations. Right, well, probably because it's related to the Torah, so the, the, the primary way that most traditional communities celebrate uh, Shavuot is to stay up all night because the revelation was after the night, very early in the morning. was the revelation of the of the Torah. So the custom is to stay up all night and to learn Torah, either to learn the the actual books of the Torah, little seg, little sections. There's uh, there's a compilation called the Tikkun Leil Shavuot, and this book takes like the first few paragraphs of each Torah portion, and the last few paragraphs, and and then all through the prophets, and all the writings, and then all the written, uh, the oral Torah, the Talmud, and the the codes of Jewish law, and the mystical texts, and it puts little snippets of these texts into one volume. And so some people will stay up all night, and they'll try to get through that volume. Other people will just have a variety of different topics that they may want to study that are connected to, to torah um you know as here we, we we've uh, had in berkeley uh, unique experience at the berkeley jewish community center all the different jewish communities and all the different jewish teachers would be able to gather in one spot you know from jewish renewal and the very liberal uh, creative and uh, dynamic uh, parts of Tor, uh, the torah community here wilderness torah and all these uh, other uh, Communities as well as Chabad and the Orthodox would all come together into one place and stay up all night and learn.
0: Oh, that sounds, the whole collective experience that we're talking about, that really makes that very real. However, Rabbi, we always like to eat on the holidays, so what happens with the eating?
1: Right, so that's another, so the other well-known part of the uh, commemoration or celebration of Shavuot, of course, like you mentioned, is around food. And in this case, it's particularly dairy food is the main uh, feature around the holiday of Shavuot. So blintzes, cheesecake, you know, these kinds of uh, cheese platters. And uh, that's the the main food for Shavuot. And so the recipes and the cookbooks and the food bloggers are all out there with their uh, dairy recipes.
0: Wait, so this touches on on kosher, yeah, about dairy. Like, why dairy and, and... Yeah. What's that right. about? So
1: at the giving of the Torah, right? So at this revelation experience, we're getting all of these laws of kosher eating, like you just mentioned, that we didn't fully have um, in our uh, repertoire of spiritual uh, practices before the giving of the Torah. Uh, so it, now after the giving of the Torah, one of the things that's mentioned in the Torah is not to um, have milk and meat together. So the way that we celebrate it in the, is, we would typically, in a traditional Jewish setting, and let's say an Orthodox uh, uh, a Jewish setting, people would stay up all night, learn Torah, do the morning prayers very early in the morning, go and have a dairy meal, blintzes and cheesecake and whatnot, then take a nap, and then wake up later in the afternoon and have like a lunch meal, which would typically be your typical. Uh, yom Tov, or holiday meal, which would have meat. So this way, it it highlights the separation of milk, which we have first, and then we have, later on in the day, we have meat.
0: I get you. So, I, so yeah, but then what's the, I've always wondered about this, like what's the deal with you can't mix milk and meat?
1: You're asking all the good questions.
0: <laughs> That's the whole idea here, Rabbi. Yeah.
1: I get it. Not to cook a kid in its mother's milk. Al tivasher gedi bachalev imo is a commandment that's mentioned three times in the Torah. So three times in the and every we know that the Torah is a fixed document. Every letter, every word is significant. Any phrase of the Torah that's going to be repeated must be full of meaning and. And, uh, and significant. So if, if a phrase is repeated three times, it really is showing that it's a very significant concept or principle. So not to eat milk and meat together, because it's mentioned three times in the Torah, the rabbis were able to expound on that and say, not only are you not allowed to eat it, but you're not allowed to uh, cook it and, have, and uh, you're not allowed to have any benefit. You can't derive any benefit from these mixtures. Of milk and meat together.
0: That sounds like uh, this is a, this is a law, or this is you know God's word, and that we're simply supposed to accept it without like questioning why is that? Is that correct? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, and that's 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 the category of of, of law that's found in the Torah. That c- the whole uh, the whole um, of kashrut is found in that category there are other categories there are other categories of laws in the torah but the category of law in which the laws about kosher eating are contained in is the category of law that has no rational um explanation
0: and so the the meaning or purpose of that is um i'm I'm going to extrapolate a little as a shrink is is that there's more to this meaning life and as we know it than we actually can rationally understand. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. If our if if our relationship with a with God or with the great spirit or the power greater than ourselves was something that we could conti- contain entirely within our intellectual framework and our in our in our way of understanding and and a, and uh, knowing something, then it wouldn't really be beyond us. It wouldn't be the power greater than ourselves. It wouldn't be the omnipotent, omnipresent creator being. And in order for us to really stretch ourselves and to also pull on the relationship that we have with God, there's our, there are aspects of our relationship that do go beyond our rational understanding. Mm. And keeping the laws of kosher are, are part of part of that.
0: you know the phrase as we're um, winding this up is it will be revealed so the revelation is related to you know just in hearing this is related to that that we don't know all the time all at all why you know we're supposed to do this and it will be revealed and it will be revealed and it will be revealed and so that's a that's a lifelong journey
1: that's why you have to subscribe to the podcast. So that you, can, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to miss any future episodes of what's going to be revealed.
0: Oh, Rabbi, nice plug. Okay, so I'm going to give a plug before we sign off for, um, for Afi Komen. If you haven't gone to Afi Komen in Berkeley, you need to go. So how people can go physically, can they also go online?
1: You can find us online, afikomen.com, A-F-I. K o m e n dot com. We're in Berkeley, and we're open, and we're available. You can call. Or
0: so so wait before we go. I mean, I know I, I've gone to I've become myself on Hanukkah, like for the for the candles and for the Hanukkah guilt, But why would people go for Shavuot? You don't sell. Uh, you're not selling cheese and blintzes.
1: I I wish we were. <laughs> I wish I had some blintzes. But what we sell are the other are the other necessities and accoutrements for the holiday. So we sell candles for the holiday. We sell wine and grape juice. We sell challah bread, and we sell the other kind of, uh, you know, Jewish paraphernalia that goes onto the holiday table. You know, to make our experience of our spiritual rituals, you know, beautiful and meaningful.
0: you were also telling me just when we spoke last about someone who came into the store, um, not related to a holiday. It was, I think, a middle-aged person. What was she looking for?
1: Well, she was actually looking for a way to connect into this tradition, into her birth tradition, to being a Jewish person. And she wanted to get a copy of the Old Testament that she could start to read so that she would be able to be engaged with our story, our creation story the history of our ancestors our relationship to God our relationship to each other as a holy community our relationship to the holy ancestral homeland and so she came into the store to get those uh, those resources
0: that's beautiful well let's sign off um we're going to be back uh, probably within a month It will be a surprise what we're talking about. And what do you say on Shavuot? Do you say
1: Happy Shavuot? What do you say? We say Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. And what does that mean? That means you should have a, 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 a joyful holiday.
0: Chag Sameach, Rabbi.
1: Chag Sameach, Ben. Thank you. Thanks.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please follow us on social media, shrink the rabbi, and come back next week for more.